This episode is sponsored by Grand Army, a neighborhood restaurant and bar in Borum Hill, Brooklyn. Visit GrandArmyBar.com or at GrandArmyBar on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening and welcome to Fomen About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. I'm Chris Kuzmi. And I'm Rachel Jacobs. <laughs> and we're your hosts of this <laughs> weekly show on all things fermenting. Archived on Stitcher, iTunes, and right here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Happy Halloween, everybody. We're feeling really spooky today. We're all in look- costume, even though you can't <clears throat> see us. We could be making it up, but we're not. They're definitely not. Uh, they're both scaring the shit out of me, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> but so is this show, because we're talking about all sorts of freaky ferments and, uh, and our experience with things, things. But before we get into that, there are some events happening uh, in the very near future that we would like to shout out. Among them, uh, from one of our episodes, Derek Dillinger, the Fermented Man, author of The Fermented Man. He is hitting Bitter and Esters on November 10th at 6.30 p.m. He's going to talk about... Uh, all sorts of different things, do some readings, talk about fermentation, uh, and sign copies of his book, which will be there for sale. Go to bitternesters.com, find out more information on that. Shortly thereafter, on Saturday, November 19th, there's Brew for a Cure, uh, put on by our friends, um, uh, Brian Pope, Brian Pope, Pope, Pope Wagon Brewing Company, uh, he and his friend, uh, uh I forgot, I forgot the other part of Brian. Of, of Pope Wagon. Anyway, you're putting on Brew for a Cure. It's going to be awesome. There, it's, a, it's to raise money for St. Jude Children's, Children's Cancer Research Hospital. Um, there'll be homebrew from 1 to 5 p.m. It's at Transfiguration Parish Hall, 64-14 Clinton Avenue in Maspeth, New York. And you can find information on that um, at Eventbrite Brew for a Cure. Look up no, uh, November 19th. Tickets are $20 to $40. Um, a lot of really good stuff. Uh, I'll be there with uh, Fifth Hand um, serving up some pilot batches of stuff, so we're excited about that. And then, after that, what do we have going on? December 1st um, is uh, the next trolley ride with Kelly and I. We're going to... You're doing it again? We're doing it again. We're going to the outer limits of Queens. We're going to go, and we're going to hit LIC Beer Project, uh, Finback, Bridge and Tunnel, and Single Cut. So you can go to kelsobeer.com and find some information on that. Um, but actually preceding all of this, this Saturday is Learn to Homebrew Day from the American Homebrewers Association. Uh, it was established by the AHA in 1999 to encourage homebrewers to introduce their non-brewer friends and family to the most rewarding hobby, obsession, and lifestyle since the beginning of time. I think we can all attest to that because homebrewing is awesome. And I'm going to mention, actually, that this Sunday, November 6th, Josh Bernstein, author extraordinaire, who just came out with his newest book, The Complete, what is it, the complete Book of IPA, mm-hmm. um, is having a can jam at, I believe it's at Threes. Let me look. I'm looking at the uh, poster right now. Um, yeah, and the cool thing is, so he's going to have his complete IPA um, 
available for purchase and signing. He's going to have some special book and can packs, and he's going to have super fresh canned IPAs from 11 of the area's best IPA breweries, including Grimm, Greenpoint Beer and Ale, Interboro, Gunhill, LIC Beer Project, KCBC, Finback, Other Half, Threes Brewing, Evil Twin, and Stillwater. And you know if you live here that most of these cans you can't buy in the store. You have to go to the brewery. So if you don't want to cross, you know, four boroughs um, on a certain day and wait in to line for these cans, these yeah. this is your ta- This is your chance this Sunday, uh, November 6th, 12 to 5 p.m. IPA uh, Can Jam at Three's Brewing. And it is pay as you. There's no entrance fee. It's pay as you go. Can you dig it? Yeah. I can dig it. Well, that, that brings me to the following weekend. If you're out in Long Island, Spiderbite is having their fifth year anniversary, and I did a collaboration with them uh, in honor of uh, Thanksgiving and fall sours. So, fifth hammer, we did a, a cranberry tart beer, which is super cool. So, we, we threw cranberry puree and uh, and sweet cherry puree into a tart kind of blonde base, and it is cranking. It is beautiful. They're going to have 20 beers available all throughout the afternoon into evening, Saturday, November 12th. And that's all the information on events that I have currently. Anybody else? No, uh, I had my successful kombucha <laughs> workshop. Hey, how'd it yeah, go? Uh, yeah. It went really well. I still have a lot of scoby <laughs> left over. Um, everyone was just kind of like, what is that? I'm like, this is what you're this is what you're here for. <laughs> it's well, a scoby. <laughs> scoby. I, so I was talking to Dave. You know, we, we put a shout out to, like, what are the scariest things about fermentation that you oh, have out there? Oh, yes. And I asked my partner, Dave, uh, Sharfstein of the Fifth Hammer, and his first introduction to SCOBY was with Mary in Portland at the Craft Brewers <laughs> Conference, and he was like, what is that? And it was like a scary gelatinous thing. So for him, his answer well, was, SCOBY, what is it? Why is it? How is that friendly at all? I, I think SCOBYs, SCOBYs are alive, and they're going to take over the world one day. I'm pretty but sure. I did expose him to like a 10-gallon crock of SCOBYs <laughs> at a kombucheri in Portland, Oregon. It was a great kombucheri, and actually, he did, you were meeting, I think you met up with us there, so Dave and I got there. We got to check out the kombuchery, um, and there was also a cafe and a, um, a t- and a little store attached. So we actually sat down and drank the kombucha, and Dave really enjoyed he it. Loved so the outcome, yeah, absolutely. I think actually we drank it before we went and saw the kombuchery <laughs> and the scary scobies. <laughs> oh yeah, I think he appreciated that because yes. he, th- he doesn't think he w- his mind would have been able to get over the matter of of which he what he saw uh, within. With which he could have enjoyed yeah. the beverage. I feel like most people's introductions <laughs> to like kombucha was someone making it like in the kitchen, and they're like, "I think your tea went bad. <laughs> like, what is happening here?" And speaking of scary ferments, as uh, Chris mentioned, we put out a shout out on uh, both Twitter and Facebook, and asked our friends and about what fermentations scare them. A lot of fermentations are kind of weird looking. We're not just talking like beer, cider, or anything like that. Um, Oh, and uh, I have some interesting answers. Um, my my old roommate said that anything that self replicates scares <laughs> her um, because it's a it just proves that it's alive and it's going to take over the world. Um, my uh, my new roommate um, flipped through Sandra Cass's book and was like, "Tempe looks weird. I'm gonna pick <laughs> Tempe." And I I myself. I'm kind of scared about not eating tempeh, but making tempeh because it's a mold that you have to cultivate, and I'm always a little nervous that I'm going to give myself food poisoning. <laughs> um, and we had some answers from uh, from Cheryl Passwater. She said uh, natto, even though she seems to like it a I'm lot. With, I'm with her still on scary. this. Scary, yeah. And she also said something called uh, takuan, which she said looks like a dead rat buried in the sand. 
<laughs> I have I never heard of this. I one. know we're gonna have to look it up. We have Taco-on. to get on the Google. How do you spell Taco on? T A K U A N. Taco on. It looks like a dead rat buried in the sand. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and also uh, from from speaking of Derek Dellinger, uh, in his book he actually cites the one thing over his year of eating fermented foods that he disliked and what terrified him. I'm actually going to read the passage. Um, Before tackling century eggs, I don't think I would have described anything I consumed as outright terrifying. Um, He talks about how the outside of the egg looks kind of cool and is kind of marbleized, but then they have to crack it open. He says, within lies the true horror, the yolk. My God, the yolk. The pus green, (laughs) mucus-like corpse of the yolk at the center of the century egg will haunt you. It is the sort of sight that would inspire H.P. Lovecraft to retreat to a cabin and feverishly pen volumes of cosmic horror. Tentacled, loathsome elder gods would hatch from an egg that looks like that. <laughs> so basically, bring him some of these uh, century eggs on November 10th to Bitter Nestors, and he will thank you for it. Apparently, Free you can buy them in Chinatown. Yeah. You can't, uh, I've seen them. <laughs> I will say, though, this is not exactly fermentation related, but we, what did I make the other day? That had, we had leftover egg yolks. Uh, you made. No, muffins. muffins. I made these muffins. super healthy muffins to put in the freezer so that we have something to eat in the morning when we're in a hurry. Um, and so we had four leftover egg yolks, so I Googled what I do with egg yolks. Um, and actually, there's whole websites that have uh, charts that say, hey, if you have one egg yolk left, you can, you know, with links to these recipes, two egg yolks, three eggs, etc. Anyway, so I went through all of them. I decided I didn't really want to make creme brulee or pudding or a variety of other things. Um, but I came across a recipe for cured egg yolks. Hmm. And it's not, I don't know if there's any. Thing actually fermenting in there, but you're basically, you take your egg yolks, you mix, um, you can use anywhere from 100% salt to a mixture of sugar and salt uh, with a little bit more salt or up to equal salt and sugar. I think I used a little bit more salt than sugar. Um, so you lay that down in a bed in a, in a container with, you know, slightly higher walls than your egg yolks are high. Um, place your egg yolks in there and then cover them with the rest of the mixture. Then you put it in the fridge, fridge and you cure them. And you can cure them, I think, anywhere from 4 to 30 days, depending on what texture you want. And then they turn into kind of a parmesan cheese texture and you can grate them for you know a good addition to they work really well on like pasta on salads on all kind you know something where you want something rich and tasty anyway have you ever had still 99 years uh, short of yes exactly we're not i'm not going that far (laughs) but this might you know this is an easy way and it's something i i personally have never done there's a lot of recipes using them and people say they're delicious so i'm really looking forward to trying them I'm still skeptical. Yes, Chris is, is very skeptical. I'm not even going to tell you I'm going to use them. We're just going to eat just something. Have, and oh, yeah. You're going to be like, man, why is this so delicious? Mm-hmm. Because it was made with love. I'm pretty sure most of the stuff <laughs> there um, we did We put it out on, on Facebook as well. And our friend Jimmy Valm, um, who's now with Kate May Brewing Company, formerly uh, with Brooklyn and some other people before there, uh, he is scared of low original gravity fermentations. They always leave him a bit uneasy. It's too easy to over-attenuate and end up with a thin beer. And I feel him on that. I agree. Also, I'll confess, I really like to make low alcohol stuff, but sometimes I don't carry through with it. And I actually made um, a nettle beer earlier this year, and I left it, and it did get mildew mildew on the top, I think because it was such low alcohol. Yeah. But did it over-attenuate? I I don't know, because I I, got to be honest, I drain poured it. (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. But I think we a lot of times when we're making these short ferments, we have low ABV 
ferments if we get busy and we're not able to catch it at exactly the yeah. right time they'll end up over attenuating and and we haven't played enough with back sweetening some of these right I well i think that i mean my thing and kind of was my whole philosophy of this in that the book that i wrote speed brewing that came out is basically i like these really fresh fermentations uh low alcohol beverages that are made from anything from barley to apple juice to sugar to um, honey to other any you know any kind of sugar source but the key is you want to package them usually I use kegs we have these great 1.75 gallon kegs um, but you know you want to package them and let them condition naturally or force carbonate them and then drink them quick I mean that's the whole philosophy of these fresh you know really nice low alcohol ferments if but not, yes that is the biggest fear is letting them go too dry right. because even I've, I did do I did a bunch of experiments with back sweetening when I was uh, writing the book, and I think the flavor of your fresh fresh honey or fresh apple juice that you're adding back in to sweeten just isn't it doesn't always complete the um, I don't think it necessarily adds to the fermentation. I think it can actually draw away from it. It sometimes is a little bit harsh because it's too fresh and sweet um, because it hasn't been fermented at all. My pref- preferential thing to do, if you have something that you fermented that goes too, too dry, even if it's like a regular strength cider or meat or something like that, my preference is to brew a smaller batch um, and then you know let that don't let that ferment all the way out and blend the two. So that you're blending an right. actively actively fermenting batch of whatever you made that went too dry. So that's my preference is, you know, make a small batch, especially if you're doing these fast, you know, speed brews, these things, that, these brews that take, you know, a week or two. It's really easy to brew another smaller batch and then, then blend them back. And I think you get a better result from that. So that's what I prefer to do if you have time. Here, here. Speaking of time, we're going to take a really quick break and be right back with Freaky Things on Ferment About It. This episode is sponsored by Grand Army, a neighborhood restaurant and bar in Borham Hill, Brooklyn. Grand Army is a nice place to drink cocktails, slurp local oysters, and eat seasonally. We're open seven days a week for dinner, and Saturday and Sunday we open a little bit earlier for brunch at noon o'clock. We're very, very happy to support Heritage Radio Network, just as Heritage Radio Network supports Grand Army. It's all about community, and that's how we feel about the radio and the bar. Visit GrandArmyBar.com or at Grand Army Bar on Instagram and Twitter. having a spooky evening of freaky ferments. <clears throat> I will say that so we're at the studio is in kind of the what the back but really the middle. We're between the <laughs> restaurant the and the backyard of in a shipping container in Roberta's Pizza in um in Bushwick. Bushwick. Took 61 more. And they're having a Couldn't special get. Halloween double feature outdoor movie in the backyard. So we have this it's, I don't know if you, you can hear it, but we hear we it. We can hear it and feel it, yeah. <laughs> I think they're playing Night of the Living Dead first the and then Halloween second. second. Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> but it's um, very interesting to have that in the back. We just hear people getting murdered in the background. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. 
I want to say a couple things just real quick before we go into to the rest of uh, of this show. We did last week or a couple weeks ago when we when we interviewed Sandor Katz and talked about you know what what he thought were freaky. You know, he was really great and was like, you know, you shouldn't be scared of fermentation. There's you know, there's it's hard to go wrong. We've been fermenting for for thousands of years, and and don't be scared of fermentation. We and then got, he was like, Nato. And then, yeah, <laughs> Nato. Be scared of Nato. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Wait, I do. I just got a text from my mom. She said she's listening to the show. She says, does that mean we can pitch that stuff you left in the basement fridge over two years ago? Will it explode? <laughs> so, <laughs> Is that your century egg in the basement yes. there? So I took uh, a couple weeks off to take care. My dad had surgery a couple years ago, and I took a couple weeks off and went down uh, to my parents to you know spend time. I cooked for them, and one of the first things that I did when I got there is I went out and got some stuff to do some some ferments with short ferments so yes mom you can pitch those they won't explode because they're all in plastic but you want to you i mean the most advisable thing <laughs> going back to the thing would be to blend that with a new yes, fresh batch yes. and then you can get them drinkable. yes but i will warn you mom so if you have old <laughs> ferments this is also occurs in our household and you have um so all of these are in plastic i actually just use reused soda bottles i didn't take any uh bottles with me i took a little bit of yeast some airlocks um some yeast nutrient and i think that's all i oh and a little bit of star sand down there with me in a, like a little you know quarter ziploc bag the traditional portable fermentation pouch yeah and yeah. then i just went through their recycling <laughs> bin and i got some plastic bottles and i um actually fermented everything in there so if you do toss those mom just open them a teeny bit because they probably are over even though they've been in the fridge the whole time they are over fermented um, and they probably will gush. So I would just open a little bit, you know, let it ooze out, and then then slowly, you know, open over time until it's like, all gone. Like a seltzer bottle that's been left out on the counter and, and is warm, and yeah. that, that CO2 wants to escape. Just yep. open it up exactly. a little bit. For years. <laughs> and hi, Sue. Thanks for listening. So what's the other comment that we got on Facebook? Oh, on Facebook. John Edstrom. He's using WLP 655 Belgian Sour Mix for the first time, but just for the heck of it, he tossed in WLP 650 Bretonomyces bruxellensis in his Belgian triple. He's scared what's going to happen. He really doesn't know. Uh, it's going to get delicious, I'm pretty sure. It's going to be fine. That Brett is going to eat a lot of interesting sugars. It's going to get. It's going to become very dry, um, but it's going to. You give it time and try it. Try it over the time. Over the time period, let that Brett that Brett Brux do its thing. Um, it's not going to be fast. Keep it in a relatively um, ambient temperature for for continuing fermentation, and it'll be great. Yes. Good luck, and we'd love to hear how it works, how it turns out. Mm-hmm. I believe in Brett Brooks. <laughs> That's my T-shirt. I well, do too. Well, speaking of the things that we have left in our apartments, um, Mary and I both made some uh, kind of candy-inspired ferments for Halloween this evening. Uh, what do you got for us? So I did not. I did actually buy some candy, and you then bought. I didn't make it, but I made the seasonal cider in, instead, which mm-hmm. I can talk about. But since you brought this up, I was going to say. Um, uh, Erica Lane, who I believe is in California, who I met on Facebook, had, she had purchased my book and she was making short meads and other beverages. And she made a Swedish fish short mead last year that looked great. So here's how she made it. She did uh, 
one and a quarter pounds honey per gallon. That is typically what I use in my short meads as well. She fermented it for four to seven days. She added the Swedish fish. Then she let it ferment for another couple days. She chilled, kegged, carbonated, and drank it. She said it's super light. The fish ferment out and leave it feeling like a dry soda with a nice burst of red fish flavor and bubbles, lots of bubbles, so many bubbles. (laughs) So I actually got a bag of Swedish fish and then didn't end up making it, but I am still continually to be inspired and I will make this Swedish fish short short meat eventually. What did you do? I hope it's better than that Skittle (laughs) cider I made a few months ago. I like specially ordered Skittles from England and then realized that American Skittles haven't had gelatin in them for a couple of years. Um... But that was a mistake. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> it tastes so cloyingly sweet, and yet it has no sugar in it. But uh, for tonight, when did you add the skittles? Oh god, I added the skittles like immediately at the, at the beginning. So you yeah. fermented out the whole time. Yeah. yeah, and it was it started bright green, and then it got cider colored, um, which was kind of weird. Yeah, like the green got eaten. Yeah, I start I, I separated out the colors also, so you would actually get the flavor. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe like the strawberry one would have tasted better, but I start with lime. It was, it was awful. <laughs> it was like definitely tasted like Skittles though. But do you believe that you could get it? Oh, it definitely tasted like Skittles. Oh, it hundred percent tasted like Skittles. not me at all. It was just very cloying. Okay. Um, it was not a good idea. I, th- I probably still have some in the fridge if you guys want to try it. Throw some bread breaks in it. <laughs> oh, that might work. Yeah. Maybe if I age it long enough. Uh, but for tonight I brought this, um, Candy corn kefir. I was trying to figure out something to do with candy corn because like any other candies are like kind of year round. But candy corn is like that gross thing you only get once a year. It's not gross. So I made kefir. It was like a day and a half ferment. So this is milk kefir. Yeah, this is milk Milk kefir. kefir. Yeah, or kefir. I know. It's okay. I think you can pronounce it both ways. I've heard it both ways (laughs) in the same sentence. Um, So I made some like day and a half ferment in like my 70 degree apartment. Um, And then I separated out the grains and then I put in I think four or five pieces of candy corn and it's like a pint jar no it's like a half a pint jar I'm willing to taste it yeah and then it like it pretty much immediately dissolved (laughs) and I put it in the fridge so it is or it's like a it's it's the color of candy it's an orange it looks like a creamsicle yeah exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah. so I also tried to make a Reese's peanut butter cup one but oh it's very thick but um the Reese's peanut butter cup one Immediately dissolved and curdled. I don't know what happened there because I've blended like Reese's with kefir before and it tastes good, but I think it just didn't want to sit there. How does it taste? So I don't drink milk kefir that much. Actually, it's pretty good. It's oh. not bad. Huh. It's a, there's, there are some weird notes to it. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It smells like the apple pie um, cider. cider that we had <laughs> in our glasses before. All right. <laughs> well, it's, it's you know it just tastes like milk kefir. Yeah, it's milk kefir yogurt. It has sour, a little tart. bit of like yeah. Under I don't drink milk kefir that much though. I drink yogurt. I eat yogurt more. It doesn't taste like candy corn at all. Mm-mm. But the color, the color's nice. It did definitely color the candy corn, the um, the milk kefir. That's too bad. <laughs> I will. I was going to mention. I've done. Uh, I went through a candy. I've made. I've gone through a couple candy making phase. My grandma. Um, Fleming used to make candy a lot, so I was inspired by her. Skip your um, good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and I did some gummy bear, ca- some gummy candies from made with homebrew porter that I had done a couple years ago. So I have the recipe in, in front of me, except I just realized that I didn't uh, 
didn't put the exact sugar. But I think that's something c- kind of cool that you can do with your homebrew is uh, make some gummy candies. Um, I let's see, reduced 12 ounces of porter to two ounces by simmering it to thicken it. I added a tablespoon water and a tablespoon gelatin. Sugar, this is where I didn't mention how much sugar. Um, and then I, I ended up adding more water and gelatin. So I don't, I think I abandoned it after. I did make some, they so were really good. you didn't say how much gel- sugar, but would you say there's a consistency that would tell you? Yeah, and the thing is that I think they, it was a couple years ago, but they turned out really well. I got some gummy spider molds, which Ooh. worked out really well. Um, but that was something For fun Halloween. to experiment with. The other thing I like to do with beer. If you want to make gummy worms, you can do that with straws. You oh, yeah. A, oh, yeah. Straws. I just saw this the other day. You take a bunch of straws and you pour through the top. And then to get them out of the straw, you kind of use a spoon. Once they, once they uh, settle, form. Yeah. They harden. <laughs> they firm up. Firm up. Then you just kind of uh, rub rub aside and kind of squeeze it, squeeze it out as a gummy worm. I I do that with Jello when I was like five. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I like, other candy I like to make with beer is caramels. So again, I always, um, you know, simmer it to decarbonate it and then thicken it a little bit, and then you can just sub that for some of the liquid in your in your caramels. Oh, and when um, so another thing that you can do with candy is pair it up with beer. Um, And uh, for example, the well here in Bushwick, um, or is it Williamsburg? The well, the bar, the well always does a beer and cupcake pairing. That's who you're talking to. But there's also <laughs> all sorts of pairings you can do with candy. For example, um, you can pair uh, candy corn because everyone loves candy corn, right? Candy I do. corn with wit beer um, and Reese's with something like a chocolate stout. Twizzlers with like a pilsner. Snickers with like a brown ale. Sour Patch Kids with an India Pale Ale. There's like there's all sorts of like cool candy <laughs> pairings that you can find online. You, you also, but the most fun to do is to, to do them yourselves because the palettes are like of fingerprints, course. and you have your own. Everybody likes their own things, but there are, you can certainly find good guidelines for that. You know, you can go color and 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 just uh, impact and audacity and bracelet. Like strong flavors go with stronger beers and things of the like. Dark beers, chocolate will go with brown malty kind of kind of beers. And if you want some cloying sweet. And to pair harmoniously, uh, take sweeter beers with, with sweeter things. If you want to be contrasting, then get lighter beers and, uh, and, and wash, wash your mouth out of the, yeah. the Snickers. With yeah. This, this one says peanut butter cups with Oktoberfest. That actually sounds really I good. That. That's yeah. I would say any kind of like better. a brown ale would be nice, too. Yeah. As long as you kept it, like, not so hoppy. I don't know. I think so. That's one of those places where right, you know, good hoppy brown ale. Like sometimes the fruity notes of those hops can like be really nice with the chocolate. Like a, I love orange chocolate or like chocolate with with orange and salt kind of oh, thing. Yeah. And if you have like a nice citrusy uh, hop, like the 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 beer that with the brown ale that we had. Uh, by the way, Benjamin and Danielle, you're on your trip right now, going to Portland. You uh, thank you for all that you did for the New York City community. Uh, you had your going away party at Strong Rope Brewing Company. We had a brown ale that you guys made called Escape New York, and uh, it was a hoppy brown ale, and it was awesome. It had a lot of citrus notes on top, but you had a nice chocolate and and a and a, a, a sweet nutty brown chocolate thing underneath, and that that is awesome with chocolate. I think I can imagine that one being very good. Yeah, that sounds pretty amazing. So yeah, if you're trick-or-treating yourself or you get your kids trick-or-treating or you just bought yourself a bag of candy at Dwayne Reed because they were on sale, (laughs) you just uh, experiment at home. Pair up these candies with uh, anything you got lying around your house. See what works for you. That's right. Have a candy beer party. 
Donner Tootin. So it's Halloween right now, but that means tomorrow is November 1st, and it's fall, and we're getting close to Thanksgiving. All sorts of flavors remind me of Thanksgiving, especially the ciders that Mary Isette <laughs> made last week. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> Here to talk uh, more about that, Mary <laughs> Isette. <laughs> so I, uh, I made a couple of ciders for an event that I did uh, yesterday to sample to people. And um, we are currently in a New York State apple shortage this season because yeah. of weather conditions, I guess, this year. Um, anyway, so I did use my favorite grocery store apple juice, Costco apple juice. Kirkland. Kirkland, yeah, which is 100% apple juice, no preservatives, um, and very affordable. So I used that. I On Tuesday, I made my ciders, so I added a little bit of yeast nutrient. Um, I used the yellow packet of... I think it's of the champagne yeast from mm-hmm. Red Star. I think it's a cuvee, but I can't. I'll have to look at the package. It's the yellow one, not the blue one. Anyway. Is that also um, the white wine yeast? Well, yeah, it's the same thing. But. No, it's a champagne yeast. It was yeast. a champagne mm-hmm. But, um, and I actually, because I knew, you know, it was Tuesday, I needed to serve this on Sunday, um, I diluted a little bit down. So I started with 1036 OG. I stuck it in a plastic bin. I did two two-gallon buckets um, and then a little bit left over in a um, in a half-gallon mason jar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and anyway, our it was quite chilly in New York City. We currently have no heat in our apartment, um, although we're getting it soon. soon? Anyway. Well, so, <laughs> you say soon. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I put, anyway, I put them in a plastic bin. I put our sous vide stick. Sous vide stick is basically a heat stick that also helps... Um, what am I trying to say? Circulate. Circulate yep. the water. So anyway, it keeps the water bath at, you know, the an exact temperature. So I fermented them either, I think, 73 degrees. Mm-hmm. I think I started at like 72 and then turned it up to 73 the next day. So they fermented down to about 10.10 by uh, Saturday. So Saturday, we got them out. We took uh, readings, gravity readings, as well as tasted. They tasted nice and yep. like the perfect... Balance between sweetness, tartness, Absolutely. and dryness. Absolutely, and it could have gone the other way because this was a low, uh, low OG ferment that that Jimmy Lyons would, or Jimmy Valm would be scared of. <laughs> Although cider is very different than beer in that way. But still, you can still over a Yeah, no, that's true. That's cider. true. Um, anyway, so I wanted to do some seasonal ciders. I they did not have fresh cranberries yet at the store when I checked, but Chris happened to find this uh, tea that I bought at a grocery store in Greenpoint here in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, um, that pre- predominantly carries Polish products. So I bought this bag of cranberry tea for a dollar seventy nine. And nothing on this case is in English, but there are pictures of cranberries and cherries. Yeah, and there was an English <laughs> label on the top, which we actually cut out. Yeah. So it has cranberry fruit, hibiscus flavor, flower, sorry, chokeberry fruit, apple fruit, chokeberry juice, concentrate, and a couple other things. Citric acid, a little bit of citric acid. So I added two bags of that to into two gallons. We cold crashed it overnight, and then we kegged it the next morning and uh, force carbonated it. The other one, I added two bags of Trader Joe's Harvest Blend Herbal Tea. Uh, so if you're not lucky enough, I think Trader Joe's still carries this. I had actually fermented with this and was not happy with it because my ferments got really phenolic, I think because of the cinnamon in it. I don't know. I find I have a hard time fermenting cinnamon. Yeah, Yeah, especially in, not necessarily in beer, but in like cider and sugar-based. Anything lighter, cinnamon kind of takes it over. Yeah. And it does something weird. It produces a lot of phenolics, I think, when it ferments. So anyway, but I tossed two of these in. We tossed two of these in to the two-gallon bucket. So again, two tea bags. And what's in this one again? 
This one has cinnamon, ginger, hibiscus, natural cinnamon, and apple flavors with other natural flavors, chamomile, roasted chicory, and orange peel. So it's right. basically a spiced herbal tea. So if you don't have a Trader Joe's near you, you know, look for a tea similar to this. So when we tasted it the next day before we kegged them, we were actually really pleasantly surprised. The cranberry, I actually, going back, I would have used three of these cranberry tea bags instead of two. It was on the lighter side, although quite nice. But the Harvest Blend Herbal Tea, actually, man, it tastes like an apple pie so cider. It's freaking delicious. When you smell the bag, it, it smells like mulled wine or like mm-hmm. the spices for mulled mm-hmm. wine. But the way it played with the apple with the with the apple cider, it turned into like an apple pie kind of thing. It was it is awesome yeah, in, in a way. Yeah, it's really, really delicious and super easy. I generally don't like spiced ciders in particular. Um and it's, they're kind of a pain to make because you have to, you know, carefully choose your spices. It depends how old they are. But, man, this tea is definitely the shortcut, and I will be making this cider again. Um, so everybody that's tasted them has been very impressed with them, and I would highly recommend. These are two really nice ciders to make for fall. If you cannot find a cranberry tea, I think a cranberry tea is a great way to do it. If you can't, you can also add cranberry juice. Just be careful there's no sorbates in it that can prevent or slow fermentation or just mess with your fermentation. Um but the I other thing you could do is you could I've simmered down cran- fresh cranberries and used it as well. You could, but certainly the cost-effective option is to is these tea bags. I mean, and they're and just it's so awesome easy, and predictable, yeah. and you don't have to you don't have to let a, let the ferment sit with the tea bags. You could also make your own tea and blend to taste to get to get the exact way. But overnight, we yeah. Just put, put so we just over yeah across. overnight and cold you know during cold crash. I mean, they were only exposed to that tea for probably 12 to 14 hours, I would say. like just And it was the perfect amount of time. I think that alcohol in the cider, even though it was low alcohol, turned out to be around 3.6%. It extracted the flavors. Yeah. And that that cranberry, man, it's it's awesome. It brought a tartness to it. It Mm -hmm. it really was was crushing. Yeah. Even though we want more of it. (laughs) It's true. More cranberry, (laughs) that is. Anyway, I think those are two really nice ciders that are very easy and quick to do. Uh, for this fall season, both of them would be great with Thanksgiving dinner or any time. I particularly like them because they're low ABV, and you know, if I'm at home working at night or uh, you know doing something productive like I've been sewing lately or embroidering a lot of detail oriented stuff, uh, you know, a nice 3.6 percent sipper is is the way to go. <laughs> and these taste of fall. Yep. Mm-hmm. So start making your Thanksgiving stuff now. Yep. Or, you know, you can wait till five days before. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy Halloween, everybody. Is there anything more from the, uh, from the peanut gallery here? Stay safe out there. Stay safe. Don't take candy from strangers. Happy Halloween. Oh, <laughs> Foment about it. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.